Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity of Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. As we come to the Word of God today, let me ask you to open your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians. I gave you a little heads up that this is where we would be this week. We're going to look at chapter 13. In the next coming weeks ahead, we will be walking through this chapter together. What a marvelous chapter in the Word of the Living God. What a famous chapter in the Word of the Living God. You've heard it even if you didn't know you heard it. You've heard this quoted so many times in so many places. Uh, When the Lord led me here, I kind of almost didn't want to go for that reason. Uh, Much has been written, much has been spoken, much has been taught out of this passage by pastors, preachers, and teachers who are far more gifted than myself. Much has been written about it by men who are a lot smarter than me and women who are a lot smarter than me. So I'm thinking, I'm not sure what I can bring out of this, but the Lord wouldn't let me uh, go away from it. And, And I believe this is where he would have us begin 2015. It's important to know that chapter 13 is set in what I call a context of spiritual gifts. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 go together. In the original text, of course, there are no chapter delineations, and this is one block in that text. It's, it's categorized together, so you can't really separate them, although that we do. Chapter 12, by our uh, divisions, uh, represents the character of spiritual gifts. It's all under this umbrella of spiritual gifts. It tells us about what they are, which ones are most important. It describes each one to us. It tells us about their character. Chapter 13 that we'll be looking at tells us about their context. It tells us the place that they have meaning, the things that God's doing in us and through us only has meaning in the context of love. Chapter 14 tells us about the carrying out of spiritual gifts, how they're they're supposed to be used. And I want to speak particularly on chapter 13 to you. And today, I'm going to back up and catch one little verse in in chapter 12, uh, verse 31, to to kind of set the tone for what we're going to do. And the title of this series, I believe, is going to be for me, How Is Your Love Life? I may ask you that question, and you may say, none of your business. (laughs) That's how my love life is. I think it's imperative that we ask it in the right context, the context that the the Word of God before us has. It's important that we ask it of ourselves. It's important that we as a church ask ourselves, how are we doing at this thing called love that God so expects us to be and to do? So let's read together today. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read it. It's in its entirety because it's just beautiful and it's difficult to pick any of it to read today and then if you'll hold your finger if you're on two different pages just hold your mind on chapter 12 verse 31 we'll jump back up there we'll read that together and then we'll begin to to talk a little bit about this thing of love first corinthians 13 1 reads this way though i speak with the tongues of men and of angels and i have not love or charity in the king james i love that word I am become as a sounding brass or as a a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, that three letter word all appearing over and over, so that I could remove mountains and have not charity important, I am what? Nothing. 
And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and I have not charity, it profiteth me, what again? Nothing. Charity or love suffereth long, and it is kind. Love envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, it is not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemly, it seeketh not her own. It is not easily provoked, it thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Verse 7, it beareth all things, it believeth all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. What a statement in 8a, charity or love never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall, not might, but it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly. But then, how many of y'all looking forward to that? Then, face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as also I am known. Verse 13, and now abideth faith, hope, charity, love, these three. The greatest of these is love. Flip back up to chapter 12, verse 31. Paul bridges into this great chapter with these words. Covet earnestly the best gifts. Seek after them. Desire the very best gifts. And yet, he says, show I unto you a more excellent way. The way of love. What does it mean to be in love? You ever been in love? If, how many of y'all are married in here? I hope at one time in your experience, you say you're in love. I hope that you can. Man, uh, they say love at first sight, that's a miracle. I've heard that. I don't believe in that, Pastor. I think love at first sight's a miracle. Let me tell you what a greater miracle is. Love after 30 years of sight. How many of y'all, hey, now that's a miracle, beloved. Tammy gets up every morning and has to look at the bad hair, smell the bad breath, see all the body fat, yet she still loves me. That is a miracle, beloved love. After 30 years. Ever been in love? What does it mean? Man, we all have. How do we know? Well, is it the, is it the feelings we have? I mean, it's that, it's that good feeling that's down inside you. Maybe it's the bank account is shrinking, let me tell you. When you fall in love with somebody, you find your money goes away from you quicker than you ever could have imagined. How do you know you're in love? Is it that you quit playing golf? Is it that you can't eat? Beloved, if I ever can't eat, I hope it's because I'm so deeply in love. I can't stand it anymore. I love to eat. Is it because you have no appetite? Man, can't you sleep? Can't think of anything else? Man, nothing, I wrote this down, makes you dumb like love, baby. You forget everything else in the world, your name, your friends, your job. It doesn't matter what it is. If it doesn't have to do with that person, man, uh, you forget everything about it. I've heard this in an old song. We were at our marriage retreat this weekend. We had 64 people, 30 
two couples spend Friday night and Saturday morning out at Bon Clarkin together. Man, we had the time of our life. We played some, some old music, man, just those old love songs that we all grew up. You know, and, and one of them is, how do you know you're in love with him? That's how you know it's love. It's in his what? Kiss. That's, that's where it is. Man, when you kiss him, you, you know you're in love with him. That's how you tell, man, when you kiss her. You'll know or not when the kiss happens if, if you're in love. I heard a story of a young man who, who came home on one evening and told his dad, she's the one. I'm in love with her, dad. I, I'm not going to be able to live without her, man. She's the one. I've made the decision on the way home. He said, son, how do you know? He said, well, man, I, I kissed her, dad. He said, well, they do say that it's true, but you probably need a little more than that. He said, no, dad, I'm here to tell you. I was kissing her on the front porch. The dog came up that she had, bit me on the calf. I didn't even feel the pain until I pulled in the driveway. He said, I'm in love. She's the one. Send the kiss sometime. Man, we ask ourselves how we are in love and, and how we can understand that. But it's not so much in 1 Corinthians 13 that we're called to be in love. It's that we're called to be love. It's not so much that we're called to be in love by the Word of God, especially in 1 Corinthians 13. It's as the children of God and as the church of the living God, He calls us to be love. A noun love. He calls us to be love. To love in a verbal way, yes. But ultimately, to be love in this world that we live in. I want to talk to you today in chapter 12, 31 about my first point in this message, this challenge of, of how's your love life. And chapter 13 surely has its roots in chapter 12 and most importantly, assuredly so, in this last phrase of verse 33. He says, I show you in essence a more excellent way. And today I want to consider with you just a minute, love's excellence. I want to consider the excellence that love is. Contained herein are some truths that we need to grasp before we begin to walk through chapter 13. And I want you to consider with me in the way of the excellence of love this morning a few things. Number one, I want you to see love's excellence in what I call its meaning. I want you to see love's excellence in what I call its meaning. He said, I show you a more excellent way. And he's talking about love that he expounds in chapter 13. And what is the meaning of love? Have you ever heard anybody say, we were on our, our, our husband-wife retreat, spouse, have you ever said something to your significant other, your life partner, said something that you thought was innocent and they responded to you? Now just what is that supposed to mean? How many of y'all ever heard that in your life? Just what is that supposed to mean? I'm going to tell you how to answer that question. You answer it with a question. You say, honey, tell me what you think it means because I'm sure it's the polar opposite of whatever it is you're thinking in this moment. So it's important that we know what something means. And when we're talking about love and its excellency, I believe we see that excellency best described in its meaning, man. And verse 31, he says, I show you a more excellent way. He's talking about love. In the New Testament, there are several words that we use. In the Greek, there are several words. In English, there's really only one word that we use for love. We say on equal basis, I love my dog. I love to eat. I love my wife. I love my country. We use the same word for it. Not so in the Greek. There's much, uh, much distinction in the terminology that they use. One word that we use for love that we uh, garner from the Greeks 
is the word eros. It's that physical love that exists between a husband and a wife. Another word is called phileo, filio, however you choose to pronounce it. It's that love for humankind. It's that brotherly and sisterly love that we share one with another. How many of y'all love the people that are in this room today? Gosh, I love these people. I'm going to challenge you to do something. I'm going to challenge you to turn to your right or your left. Don't have to get up. You can if you want. Hug somebody that's beside you around the neck and just say, hey, brother, sister, honey, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Just anybody in the room. What you're demonstrating is phileo, that brotherly, sisterly love. We ought not be ashamed to say to one another, I love you. That doesn't mean anything weird or strange. That's the most beautiful thing as a pastor to stand up here and watch you hug one another's neck. Say you love one another and pray that you mean it. Hallelujah. I mean, that's, that's the demonstration. A filial love. There's a Hebrew word for love that's not cited very much. I, I learned it, uh, first came across it in seminary in, in Hebrew class as we were studying the language. It's the word hesed, very impacting in the Hebrew mindset. It means absolute loyalty. It means here I am with you. It means I'm going to be beside you. It means when the battle is raging and everybody's against us and it seems like the end is in view and the dust is boiling, you can count on the fact that when the dust settles down, I'm going to be standing right here beside you. And in the Hebrew concept, that was love, beloved. It was proven best in the context of strife and tribulation. And in that context of testing, we see this facet of love. I'm so thankful I told that group this weekend for my wife and you ought to be for your spouse, you ought to be for your friends, and you ought to be for your God. Those kind of people who when the rubber meets the road and everybody else is abandoning you, you can count on the love that they have for you to be standing right beside you. How many of y'all are glad that God Himself is the greatest iteration and interpretation of this Hesed love? He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Forsake me if you will, but my love will not allow me to turn my back on you. No matter what you even do, I will be right beside you when the rubber meets the road. I will not leave you, and I will not forsake Those are all wonderful thoughts, and I'm not downgrading those, but in 1 Corinthians 13, that's not really what Paul, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, is meaning in these moments. He uses the word over and over, agapo, agape. <laughs> And beloved, this means to me the manifest love of God. There's a lot of definitions for it out there. But to me, it means the manifest love of God. The kind of love that we know nothing about. The manifest love of God. Scholars tell me that this word is, is largely a Christian invention. That it really never existed much at all. Outside the context of the New Testament church. For they understood that the love that God had demonstrated toward them was far and above in quality. You talk about an excellence that it's in love. It's caught up in its meaning. It's the greatest possible love that we can know or will never understand and know. It is the love of God demonstrated toward us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, His Son. If you want to know if God really loves you, 
All you have to do is fix your gaze on a Roman cross and there see the Lord Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, lay down His life willingly for you. And there is the agape love of God personified, demonstrated, and manifested towards you and I, beloved. I heard a story of, a, of an ancient monk who announced that he was going to be preaching on the love of God on a particular night. He showed up in the chapel and let all the candles go out but one up in the front. He never said a word as the people gathered. He took that one candle and he walked to the image of Jesus Christ on the cross. He took that one little candle in that sea of darkness and he allowed that candle, he held it up and he allowed him to see the crown of thorns on his brow. He let that candle meander down to each hand and he saw there the nail scars on the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. He let the, the light and the illumination of that single candle fall on his feet there to see the nail scars in his feet. He held it up to his side that was pierced and the blood and the water, the Word said, flowed out in its entirety there on the ground. And when he was done, he blew the candle out, put it back in its holder, and just left him in utter darkness because nothing else needed to be said. Agape, beloved, is the manifest love of an almighty God. Not a love that we can muster up. Not a love that we can meet out. Not a love that we could ever earn or deserve. But thanks be unto God. A love that He chose to manifest toward us. And that while we were yet His enemies, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. We're going to talk about love's excellence, beloved. Don't miss its meaning. The meaning of the love that he's talking about here has nothing of the taint of this earth on it. It has everything of the divine on it. It's heavenly in every way, shape, or form. Agape. The manifest love of God. When you want to consider love's excellence this morning, you need to consider its meaning. But you all know, also need to consider its measure. He says in verse 31, I show you a, and I love this word, more. He said, I show you a more excellent way. He could have even said, I show you an excellent way. Covet the best gifts. But I show you an excellent way to go about it. I, I, I but he didn't say that. He said, I show you a, a more excellent way. I love the amplified. And I'm going to read that from you. It catches the, the sense of it. He says, man, covet the best gifts and graces, the higher gifts and the choicest graces. And yet I will show you a still more excellent way. One that is better by far. One that is of the highest of them all. One that is love. He's saying, I show you a more excellent way. A way that's better by far than any other way. And today when we're considering love's excellency, we need to consider that measure. He's saying, do it in the best way. I'm going to show you the best way you possibly can do it. When I was in college, there was a, a calculus teacher that I really loved. First class I took with him, I, I grew to love him the first day. He walked in and he looked us in the eyes and he said, Folks, I don't care if you ever come to class, I don't take role in my class. He said, I don't care if you ever do your homework. I'm going to assign it, but if you don't do it, beloved, that's up to you. I ain't going to penalize you for it. I ain't going to hold it against you. I ain't even going to ask you if you did it or not. Man, if you don't want to come to class, great. If you want to go somewhere else, great. I don't care what you do. I'll be here. 
I'm going to give you four tests and a final exam. You come and take them. And man, that's going to be your grade for this class. And the rest is, is just really up to you. Man, I thought, hallelujah. And thanks be unto God. Man, I shot basketball. Man, I was in the gym playing pickup basketball. I was, I was down in the student union shooting pool. I was eating hamburgers during calculus class. I thought, man, I, I don't have no homework. I don't even have to go. All I got to do is show up and take the test. Man, the night before the test, the first exam, I got a little nervous. Stayed up all night cramming for the exam, trying to learn 25% uh, of the class's material overnight. Here I was sweating bullets, man. I showed up, took the test, left rather with a miserable feeling about how I had done on the test, came back uh, in a couple of days to, to get the results of it. And man, when he walked in, he said, guys, I suspect most of y'all uh, took me up on my offer the first day as a result of how you did on the first exam. I expect most of y'all, and I thought, is this guy following me around? He said these words. I expect most of y'all were down in the student union shooting pool and playing ping pong. I expect some of you were over in the gym playing pickup basketball. I expect that because your grades reflect it. He said, let me tell you a better way to go at this. He said, do your homework and show up for class. And it'll go a lot better. Man, I thought, wow, isn't that rocket science? I guess that would go a lot better. It's a better way. It's a more excellent way. And see, what we have in the agape love of God living in and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit is a more excellent way of living. He said, I'm going to show you a more excellent way to serve me. I'm going to show you a more excellent way even than the choicest of the spiritual gifts that you so covet. In our lives, I'm going to tell you, Dad, there's a much better way to go about things. It's the way of the love of God. Mom, there's a much more excellent way to go about things. Go about it with the love of God. Spouse, there's a much more excellent way to approach your husband or your wife. It's the way of the agape, love of an almighty God. Children, teenagers, students, listen to me. There's a much more excellent way to approach and relate to your mom and dad. It's the way of the agape, love of God. Boss, friend, employee, there's a much better way. It's the agape, love of God. Church, gifts are great. Let me tell you that. Plans are great. Effort is great. Man, I'm telling you all that. We even try guilt. We try negative things. We try condemnation. We try judgment. We try legalism. And all these for sure are options. But what Paul is saying is, let me show you a more excellent way to do this. Not just an excellent way or an option. A more excellent way, a way that's better by far than any other way you can come up with. The way of the agape love of an almighty God. I'm going to tell you what will change this world today is when the church of Jesus Christ just is the agape love of God in this world. You mark it down. If you really want to see revival take place and people be drawn to the love of God and be saved and delivered, it will come when we espouse the excellent way of the agape love of God as the normal way we conduct our lives on this planet. He says, I'm going to point you to a more excellent way. And it is that. We see it in its meaning. Folks, we see it also in its measure. It is a more excellent way. There's a better way of doing it. But thirdly, we also see it in its mandate. We see the excellency of love in its mandate. There's one little word at the end of verse 31 that if you just read over cursorily, you'll miss. 
He says, I want to show you a more excellent, what's that three-letter word? Well, a few of you said it, so I'm going to ask you again. What's that three-letter word? I show you a more excellent way. He's saying, I'm going to show you a more excellent way of living. You see, allowing the, to being the agape love of God in this world is not a momentary thing that you do once and then go back about the way that you live your life normally. It's a way. It's a way of living. It's something that you adopt as the overall flow of your life. That's the mandate that we would be facing in the days ahead. It's an overall flow of your life. I heard one young lady some years ago uh, headed to her first day of kindergarten. And I don't know if you know this, maybe it's been too far removed from you, but when kindergartners start school, they let them go uh, the week prior, they send them on a Thursday or a Friday, not both. They just kind of let them walk into it. So they send them one of those two days for a half a day. So half the class goes on Thursday and they stay home on Friday. Half the class goes on Friday. They don't go on Thursday. And then on Monday, after they've had a weekend to recover from the shock, I guess they all go back on Monday. I heard one young lady that Thursday was her day. She went, did her half day, had her lunch, came home, happy as a lark about kindergarten, everything coming and going. We were in a room together, and, and, a, and a, I, I won't, I'm not going to give away anybody's name. I don't want to embarrass them. We were in a room together, and, and a lady asked her, said, Honey, are you ready to go back to, to kindergarten tomorrow? And she just looked at her with the strangest look. She said, Listen, I've already done that. I already did that. So in her mind, she's thinking, Last Thursday, half a day, had my lunch, kindergarten. Check that off the list. I can go on to something else in my life. And you see, that's the way we treat love. We look back 30 years ago and say, well, I did demonstrate the agape love of God in my life that time. I did it. I can check that off my list and, and I don't have to worry about it any old other time in my life. I've already handled that and done that. I'll just live any old way I want to. And that's not the concept of this excellent agape love that he's putting forth here. He's saying, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. If you want to live your life in the best way possible, I'm going to show you the most excellent way that you can do it. He's saying, I'm not asking you to do this once. I'm not even asking you to do this twice. I'm not even being able to say at the end of your life, there were three days out of it that I tried to love people. He's saying, I'm acting, asking you to make a deliberate decision of the mind. You see, agape has to do with the will and not the emotion. And he's saying, I'm going to today to will under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and under His power to live this way in my life. I'm not going to make it based on my emotion or based on my feeling. I want to make it under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and in His power, a conscious decision as best I can today to demonstrate the agape love to everybody that I come in contact with. He's saying, I show you a more excellent way. I love this quote. Booker T. Washington said this, excellence, when you're talking about excellence, he says, you are are doing a common thing in an uncommon way. I like that. He says excellence means to do a very common thing in an uncommon way. And you see, we bandy the term love about in our society in a very common way today. We even in our own lives and understanding use the word love in a very common way today. But what God is asking us to do in the leadership of the Holy Spirit as He led Paul to write is say, listen, I'm going to ask you to do what you perceive to be a very common thing in a very uncommon way. Do it in the way that I would do it. In you and through you. 
When you consider the excellence of love, you have to understand that this is a mandate, beloved. And in the days ahead, we're going to look at it in its entirety. For I believe in 1 Corinthians 13, we have as great an understanding of it as we shall ever come across. Before we get there, we need to consider just how excellent a topic that we're undertaking. He said, I show you a more excellent way. So as you bow your heads and close your eyes, let me ask you again. How's your love life? How is your love life? In light of what we've said today, how is it? Is it the love of God that dominates who you are? I will tell you to this, Paul calls us here. In this little verse, setting us up for chapter 13, Paul calls us to get above the clamor of the public eye and above the grasping for glorious gifts. And into the place of them, decide that we're going to adopt a more excellent way of living. Well, the way of love. This is an excellent way. To be sure, it isn't an easy way. You know, it seems sometimes that hate's just an easier way. It seems that sometimes neglect is just a more natural way. It seems that sometimes judgment and punishment and consequences, bless God, it's just an easier way. I tell you, love's not going to be the easiest way. But it is going to be the most excellent way that you'll ever hope to live on this earth. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. If you'd like to find out more about Trinity of Fairview, visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188.